Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Well, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Aaron Burke, and I have the honor of being the lead pastor here at Radiant Church. One church, seven locations, and we are in part three of a series we are calling The Heart of Things. The Heart of Things, where we are looking at all things health this year. And if you've just recently come to Radiant, we started the year with a word called health, and we want to make it our healthiest year ever. So we talked about spiritual health and relational health and financial health and mental health, and we're diving into heart health this month. And I think it's so crucial that we evaluate our heart. That's why Proverbs says it this way. It says, above all else, guard your what? Guard your heart, because everything you do is going to flow from it. So the way you, you, you parent, the way that you're in that relationship, the way you build your business flows from your heart. So if your heart is healthy, the rest of your life is going to be healthy. So that's why we dove over the last couple of weeks into talking about a bitter heart. How do we free ourselves from that? And then last week, I talked to you about a broken heart and how do we heal our broken hearts and our heart is so broken because of everything that's happening in the world today. And if you are taking notes today, which we are a note-taking church, I wanna talk to you for a few minutes today about a bewildered heart, bewildered heart. If you'll notice, I'm a preacher, so all of these start with B, ladies and gentlemen. So we talked about a bitter, we talked about a broken, we're gonna talk about a bewildered heart. I don't know if there's a word that better describes the last two years that we've experienced than than bewildered. There's not a better word. It's like, I remember when the pandemic first happened and I was actually in Pensacola performing a wedding for for someone at Radiant. And uh, when I was up there, the, the world just started to shut down. And I thought, I actually had a trip planned to go see our missionaries in, in Sri Lanka. So I was all pumped. And I was like, I was like, you know what? And I remember telling our missionaries, I was like, don't worry. This is only going to last a couple weeks, two weeks to stop the spread. We'll be good. And, and, and we're two years later. And what, there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of chaos. We just don't know what to do. That's what bewildered means. If you take notes, write it down. It means to be perplexed, confused where you just don't know what to do. I don't know if you ever had those moments where you've gotten lost before. It's really, not, doesn't happen too often now because thank God for technology. We have these little, you know, little, little maps on our phone. We can pretty much find anything. But I remember the day where like the only way to find stuff was like you roll down your window. Come on, how many remember these days? You roll down your window and you're like, you're yelling at strangers like, hey, do you know where this is at? And they're like, ah, you go four blocks this way and then you take a left. And you're like writing down notes at the same time. It was a weird time. Now, for those under 30, let me just tell you, give you a little idea that we didn't always have on our hand the ability to like find anything at any moment. We used to drive around with these crazy things called maps, okay? So maps were crazy. Like, can you imagine? You're like, you're carrying this thing around going, I think I'd take a right here. And, and if you ever went on road trips growing up, you took the map and you went to the next level and you had the Atlas in your car. How many, how many had one of these things in their car? I remember just like, you would, you would sit there and you'd look at it and you're just like, okay, I remember it being in the back seat. Like, dad, it says we go, you know, a, a quarter of an inch. So I think it's like 18 miles. And then we turn right. We hope we made it, Right. And then technology came along, and it went from this to MapQuest. How many remember MapQuest? Come on, you print that map out. 
You just follow it the whole way. Some of y'all don't even believe. This was not a long time ago, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we, we, don't, we don't know what it's like to get lost any longer, but, but the reality is if you look at the condition of your heart, a lot of you are in a season right now, and I want you to lean into it because you're in a season where you don't know what to do. You don't know who to date. You don't know if you're dating. You don't know if you're supposed to get married. Some of you are just trying out rating. You don't even know if this is the church for you. Some of you are trying to figure out what job to go into. And you don't know what job and career path to take. You're trying to make decisions. What do you do when you're bewildered? Well, what causes it? Write it down in your notes. Here's some things that cause it. First of all, you get a bewildered heart when you experience change. Some of y'all don't do well with change. Some of y'all don't understand. You're like, you're like everything to be exactly perfect, exactly in order. And the problem with it is the world is changing ridiculously fast. World-renowned futurist and author of best-selling book, The Singularity of Near. His name is Ray Krizil. He says it this way. He says the change that's happening in our world today is so exponential. He suggests that we will experience 20,000 years of change in the next century alone. Wow. 20,000 years. What is he saying? He's saying everything that's happened in the last 2,000, I mean 20,000 years, you're going to see that much happen pretty much in your lifetime. That's how different. The world we live in right now will be totally different five years from now. So it shows us things are changing. And some of y'all are like, I don't know how to handle it. I don't know how to deal with it. Like my kids were in my home and now they're not here anymore. I don't know how to deal with it. My heart is bewildered. Here's another one that causes a bewildered heart is mistakes. So you have this idea, and, and you mess up, and you think everything's going to be perfect, but the reality is, is, is you messed up, you made a bad decision, and, and, and you didn't use great wisdom, and you had some mistake, you had some sin that came in, and what does it do? It's messed everything up, and you have a bewildered heart. Here's another one, is what causes us to have a bewildered heart? Opinions. Because how many know there's a lot of them out there right now? A lot of people have ideas of what you should do with your life. And what, the problem is you got too many voices. And a lot of voices are in your life. And you go, to, you go to your parents, they say one thing. You go to your friends, they say another thing. You watch Fox, it says one thing. You watch CNN, it says another thing. And you're sitting there going, what do I do? That, that, that's our life. And here's the last one. What, what causes a bewildered heart is uncertainty. You deal with a lot of uncertainty. What is uncertainty? I, I just don't know what the future is going to hold. I don't know what's going to happen. Am I going to be single forever? Am I going to find somebody? Am I going to ever have kids? Are these kids going to ever get saved? Are these kids that are, are, are they going to live for God in college? And we live in this world where our heart is so filled with uncertainty, we don't know what to do. The Bible is packed full of people who experienced a bewildered heart. I think of the ladies who, who came to the tomb uh, when Jesus had died, and three days later, they show up there that Sunday. And what is the, the, the response for them to see the empty tomb? The Bible says it this way, trembling and what? Bewildered. Bewildered. Look at it. The women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. They, they lived, it wasn't how they planned it. And that's how some of you guys are experiencing it right now. You're, you're in the world and you're sitting there going, this isn't what I had planned. Even Paul said it this way, we are hard pressed on every side but not crushed. We are perplexed. You ever felt perplexed? It's another one of those words. It's actually the exact same 
Greek word as bewildered that was mentioned in Matthew. What's the idea? The idea is we just don't know what to do. Here's what perplexed means. Perplexed means to be at a loss with oneself, to be in doubt, to just go, I, I just can't figure out what I am supposed to do. And, and, and for some reason, this, this surprises us. Peter tells us it this way. He says, friends, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal or whatever the conflict that you're dealing with right now as though something, and it's the exact same word right there, strange, perplexing were happening to you. And that's how you would describe a lot of your life right now. You go, I just don't know what's the next step to take. My heart is not at rest. So what do I do? I want to give you a passage and a story in the scriptures today of one of the most bewildering, crazy stories that I read through the scriptures. If you're on our Bible reading plan, we read this one just a couple weeks ago. And it's about the guy by the name of David. Now, y'all probably know David as the guy who killed your love. Very good. Earlier services couldn't get that one. But this service is way more safe. David killed who? All right. So David is anointed king. The problem with it is there's a long season between his anointing as king and him actually taking the position of king. So he ha- he's anointed, he kills Goliath, then he goes through this long season of serving Saul, who is the, the king before him, and it's a really crazy relationship. And during this time, he's running from Saul, he's, he, he's, he, he's fearing for his life, but he's also fighting off their enemies, and one of their enemies, or a group of people called the Amalekites. Say the Amalekites. We see a story in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 30. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to open it up there. Because we're going to go verse by verse through it. Because it's so really powerful when you look at the bewildered situation that David went through. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, David and his men reached Ziklag. Say Ziklag. On the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the, uh, the Negev and Ziklag. And they attacked Ziklag and burned it. And after they had, captive the, uh, they had taken captive the women and everything else, both young and old, and they killed none of them, but carried them off as they went their way. So verse 3, this is where it gets good. Look, David and his men reached Zik- Ziklag, and they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters had been taken captive. Now, it's not just a war that they're experiencing. Now it's personal. Now the enemy had attacked their family. And look what it says. So David and his men wept aloud as they had no strength left to weep. Doesn't you experience that at a time where something traumatic happens and you go, I just don't have any way to to carry on. Look what it says. David's two wives. Now, that's the first mistake right there. Can I hear an amen? You think it's expensive with one. Can you imagine? You better be the king of Israel. That's funny right there. By the way, that's not okay, and Radiant, that's not okay, two wives, okay? So, David's two wives had been captured, Ahoniam and, of Jezreel and um, Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because his sons and daughters, uh, because of his sons and daughters. So what happens? In this moment, they get to Ziklag, they realize that, that his, his wives, their wives, that the sons, the daughters, everybody's gone. The city's burned to the ground. And what does the scripture say? David is greatly distressed. His plan wasn't happening according to what he had wrote down. He's not, he's not experiencing success as we want to experience success. 
Everything seems lost. What do you do when your life is bewildered? When your heart is confused? When you're perplexed? And not only that, now his guys are starting to turn on him going, we need to stone this guy. We need to kill him. He's frustrated. So what does he do? And David gives us a key of what we do when our heart is confused. And this is going to help a lot of people today. Look at verse 6 again. It says, it's turning him because of, of the sons and daughters. But David, here's what David did. David found strength in the Lord his God. David found strength in the Lord his God. What do we do when our heart is confused? Number one, write it down. We, I will lean on the God who cares. I will lean on the God who cares. Look what it said in the passage. As David has lost everything, does not know what to do, is distressed, the people are thinking of killing him, David makes an intentional decision. I will go to the God who I know cares for me in this time. Let me encourage some people here today. You've gone to everybody else. You've gone to your friends. You've gone to Facebook. You've gone to Google to try to find an answer. Let me encourage you. You want to find victory in your life? Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Find strength in him. When we lean on him, you're able to find strength when your heart is confused, when your heart is perplexed, when you don't know what step to take next. I remember growing up, I was in, I grew up as like a wrestling fanatic. I loved wrestling. I'm not talking about like wrestling in school. Like I'm talking about like real wrestling, like WWF. You know what I'm talking about? It's WWE now. But when I was growing up, it was that. Like that was like the real stuff. You know, I grew up on the days of like the ultimate warrior. Come on, somebody. The Undertaker. Come on, macho man. Randy Savage. Y'all don't know anything about no Jake the Snake. Come on, those are my guys. And Dusty Rhodes, I'm sorry. I'll make sure to include them. I remember living in that world, and I just loved it. One of my favorite events every year was WrestleMania, where they would, you know, they would have all the superstars, but they would all be teamed up, and they'd put them all in the ring, and, and what happens is they're in the ring. They're all getting beat down, beat down, beat down. And as they're in the place that you just think it's over, and, 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 and I, just, I would think it was over. I thought it was all gone. Don't tell me it's not real. It was real to me. When it's all gone and it all looks lost, they reach over there and they, what do they do? They tag team their person in. And that guy would come in and he'd be able to, 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 to win on their behalf. That's what God wants to do for you, by the way. Let me tell you, you feel distraught, you feel perplexed, you feel confused, you tag team and you go to the Lord in worship. You go to the Lord in prayer. You go to the Lord in your small group and watch how he's a God who cares for you in your time of major, major distress. What happens when we go to the Lord, our God, and when we lean on him and we strengthen ourselves in him? Paul says it this way, for God is not an author of confusion, but he's an author of what? Peace. 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 Here's what I really believe. If you're ever at a place that you feel like, I'm just so confused, it's because there's something from God missing in the midst of it. Because wherever, I, I'm always led by knowing, okay, peace is there. God's in the midst of it. Amen. When there's not peace, God's not in the midst of it. So, so when I, if I'm ever at a place and my home just feels like confusion, I'm going to invite 
peace back into my home. I'm going to invite God back in there. Because where God is at, here's what it is. God's presence always produces peace in your life. So if your heart is bewildered, do what David did. Strengthen yourself in the Lord and watch what happens. You'll get peace even though it makes no sense what you're going through. And the world is going to look at you, Radiant, and go, you just went through that? And how do you have peace? And you can go, because when I am going through a season where it is confusing and it is frustrating and it is perplexing, here's what I do. I don't run on Facebook. I run to the Lord and I strengthen myself in the Lord because he's a God who cares. And he cares for what you're going through right now. Look what else happened in our story. It says David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now look what happened. This is crazy. Now the Amalekites had ra- raided the Negev and Ziklag, and they had burned it. And then uh, go down to, sorry, I, I lost that completely. There, then David said to um, Abathar, the priest, the son of Amil- um, Am- Amil- Amalek, thank you, <laughs> bring me the ephod. And look what happened. Abathar brought it to him. Now this is the priest, brings it to David, and here's what happens, verse 8. And David inquired of the Lord. What did he do? He sat there and goes, okay, I've got to make a decision. I'm not going to go with my gut. I'm going to inquire of the Lord. And he says, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? And then what is the Lord's response? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. So what do I do when my heart is confused? Number one, I go to the God who cares. Number two, I will go to the God who brings clarity. He brings clarity. Remember, he's not a God of confusion. He's a God of peace. He's not confused about what you're going through. He's got a clear decision for you to make. And what did he do? David says, I'm not just going to go with what I feel. I'm going to inquire of the Lord. This is a man gifted in warfare, yet he didn't just go with what he thought was best. Most of our problems go because we go with our gut instead of with our God. And so we sit there and go, oh, man, I'm going to do what I feels good. How's that working out for you? It doesn't work out well. Why? Because Jeremiah says it this way. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And you can't understand it. You, you can't go with your heart. You can't go with just what feels good. you got to make decisions in a way that God is involved in them. So, so don't just go with what you want to do. Because you're trying to make decisions. I know some of y'all, you're trying to decide, okay, do I go to um, FSU or do I go to UF? Now, if we polled the audience, I know there's a lot of opinions. But, 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 but here's the thing. You, there's a natural opinion, but God's got something big in store for you. So God knows who's going to be there and, and what professor you need to be around and, and what group you need to be connected with. So don't go with what popular opinion is. Go with what God says in your situation. We have to start, to start to go to him. And that's what David does. He leans on God and says, God, bring clarity. Bring, bring clarity in this decision that I'm about to make right now. So let me encourage you with this. Don't trust your heart. I know some of y'all are like, well, I just like him. Why are you, why are you dating that guy? I don't know. I just like him. He's not even a Christian. I don't know. But he's just, he says he knows God. Like, like don't go with your heart. Our heart will never lead us to where God wants us to go. Don't trust your heart. Trust God. And here's what you do. And when you trust God, here's what you do. 
you let him guide your heart. And you let him guide you. And I, people have asked me all the time, they're like, Aaron, have you ever heard God's voice audibly? And my answer is no. But I've heard it louder than audibly. It's internally. Yes. You can tell when God is speaking. You can say, I mean, I just know it doesn't make sense. It, 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 it's countercultural. It's counter what my flesh wants. But when God's speaking to me, it just, it, it, it makes sense. And I'm going to go with what God says. It's how Katie and I made the decision to start Radiant in Tampa. We had three cities in, 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 in our mind, and we had uh, Jacksonville, we had Orlando, and we had Tampa. And then we visited um, a lot of them. Thank God we didn't move to Orlando. That would have been a disaster. And, and I remember having these moments where I said, God, I don't, I don't want to go with just what feels good. I want, to, I want your spirit to lead me. And it was confirmation after confirmation after confirmation. And I'm telling you, there's moments in your life that you have to make major decisions. God is not sitting there and going, well, we'll let them see if they figure it out. He wants to be actively involved in the decision-making of your life. I love how we see this through the early church. They were trying to make decisions to guide the church. And they said a phrase that I thought was so crucial. It says in Acts 15, when they made the decision, they said, this seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Amen. I thought that was amazing. We actually, people ask us, like, how do we make decisions as a church? How do our trustees, our overseers, our, our executive leadership team, how, how do we make decisions? A lot of it is we bring an idea to the table, we pray, and then we go, all right, I think that feels good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Like, it feels good. Now, that can get weird in churches, and people can get manipulative, but I think in its purest form, God speaks through the community of believers. Let me tell you, if all of your godly family members are saying, run from that girl, and you're running to that girl, you're missing it. God speaks through the community of the church. That's why you need to be in a small group. You need to go through next steps because you can't be a fringe believer. You need to be on the front lines and say, God, I want to help be in a community that's going to lead me to where you want me to go. So we do this stuff together. And that's what David did. What did he do? He got the priest. He got the people involved. He inquired of the Lord. What do you do when your heart is bewildered? You go to a God who cares. You go to a God who brings clarity. And the last one is this. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 30. I want you to see verse 17. It's not in your notes, but I'll put it on the screen. David fought them from dusk until the evening of the next day. And none of them got away except 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. Can you imagine that picture? You know, you're just on a camel. <laughs> like, the horses were taken. And so, but, you, but you made it, dude. You made it on the camel. All right. I don't know why that's funny to me, but David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken. Can I just pause there for a second? I don't know what the enemy has stolen from your life. I don't know what it is. You feel very bewildered right now. Let me tell you, you don't have to stay bewildered. You can go from bewildered to blessed when you learn to inquire from the Lord, strengthen yourself in the Lord, do it God's way instead of your way. There's a blessed life that God does have for you. And it says he, he received everything the Amalekites had taken, he, including his two wives. I would have left one, but he, he, he died two of them. That's just another thing. Not, not, my wife is here on the front row. If I had another wife, I would have picked you, by the way. I just want you to know that. Just don't tell her that, okay? So that's, that's funny right there. All right. All right. I'm kidding. That's awesome. All right. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, 
plunder or anything else had been taken. David brought everything back. He took all the flocks and the herds and the men, drove them um, ahead of the other livestock, saying, this is David's plunder. All right, watch this. This is so crucial to our story. David came back. There's 200 men who had been too exhausted to follow them and who were left behind at the Bezer Valley. They came out to meet David and the men with them. And as David and his men approached, he asked them how, um, how they were. But they, all the evil men and the troublemakers amongst David's followers said, because they did not go out with us, we will not share with them the plunder we have recovered. However, each man may take his wife and his children and go. So what happens? There's a couple hundred people who didn't go out to fight the Amalekites. They stayed behind to watch out for the city. And when they came back, he said, they were like, they shouldn't get the reward that we're getting. They shouldn't get the blessing we're getting. And David responds, and it's right there in your notes, verse 23. David replied, no, my brothers, you must not do that. You must not do that. He says, with what the Lord has given us, he has protected us and delivered us in your hands, the raiding party that came against us. Who will listen to what you say? The share of the man who stayed with the supplies is to be the same as that who went into the battle. All will share life. Why does this matter? Why does this matter? This matters because it's a crucial decision that David made in a season of bewilderment. And I'll close out the message with this. When you are confused, here's what you do. You lean on a God who cares. You go to the God who brings clarity. And then here's the third one. Is that now I will be faithful to do the next right thing. This is what David did. He said, I, I don't know what's going to happen a year from now, five years from now, but I know this right here, to give these men this stuff, that's the right decision to make. It might cost me my popularity. It might cost me even some stuff, but I'm going to make the right decision right here because I'm, I, I don't know what to do next, but I know what to do right now. And there's a lot of Christians that you're in a season of confusion and you're going, what does God want me to do next? What is next? What 2023, 2024, what am I supposed to do? And God's saying, forget about that. Just be faithful with the assignment I put in front of you right now and do the right thing. Do the right thing. Uh, There's a missionary. Her name is Elizabeth Elliott. She's one of the heroes of the faith that I love so much. And she had always had this dream of, of going and doing missions and being a Bible translator. That's why she went to college, to be a Bible translator. She meets the love of her life, a guy by the name of Jim Elliott. They get married. And they have a, a, a vision together of going on the mission field. But it takes years. It takes seven or eight years before they actually get onto the mission field where they, now, they serve as missionaries in the country of Ecuador. And while they're there, they were serving as they're serving, they have their first little baby girl. You got to think, this, this girl, it was her whole dream. I want to be on the mission field. She gets married. She has her baby girl. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. They're starting to make a difference. God gives them a heart for these Indians, the Aka Indians that live on a remote island. And so Jim and four other missionaries um, for these men decide to take some stuff and some goods to, to these Indians to try to bridge a gap to them to eventually share with them the message of the gospel. So they fly a plane to this little remote area. They get there, and they are met by the people, but they're not met in kindness. They're met in uh, fear, and they're speared to death right there on the island. It becomes a pretty famous story of these five, um, these five missionaries. Um, 
who gave their life for the gospel. So everybody thinks about these missionaries all the time, but people forget, <laughs> what about Elizabeth? Yeah. What about Elizabeth? This, this, this mom, this wife, this missionary. And Elizabeth's story is so fascinating because Elizabeth, in the midst of all this trauma, has this crisis of what do I do? What do I do? I have this baby. Do I raise this child here? Do I, I've got these people that obviously want us dead. My husband's dead. I, I, do I need to go and remarry? What do, what do I do? And it was in this moment that the Lord gave her a phrase that has become a motto for her life that is actually part of your notes right there. And here was the statement that he gave her. It's just do the next right thing. Amen. Do the next right thing. And you got to think, you've probably b dealt with bewilderment, maybe not nearly as much as Elizabeth Elliot has. And for her, the next right thing is, I don't know what a year from now looks like. I don't know what five years from now looks like. But I know right now the right thing is for me to go and forgive those people who killed my husband. Story is phenomenal how Elizabeth took her life and dedicated her life, starting at that moment, to build those relationships and Slowly over time, she eventually faced the man who killed her husband, forgave him. And in forgiving him, he experienced such a love of God that he gave his life to Christ and the whole village gets saved. What a goodness of God. She then spends her life, and what does she spend her life doing? Just the next right thing. So then she continues to raise up missionaries and wrote books and traveled around. How did her life make a difference? Her life made a difference because in the, in the middle of being bewildered, she says, I, I just don't know what the future holds, but I know what I'm supposed to do right now. Let me encourage someone with this. Your last notes, right there in your notes. When I don't know what is next, I will just focus on being faithful now. Amen. And that's a word from God for somebody. Someone's trying to map out a 10-year plan and God's saying, I don't need a 10-year plan. I need you to be faithful right here, right now. I need you to be faithful right here in this moment. So, so you started to give and you stopped giving because it didn't work out with your full year budget. No, be faithful now. You, you started serving, but then you're, you're trying to fit, map it out and you go, but if I start serving, you know, in August, this might change with my job. No, just be faithful now. Just do what God wants you to do right now. And, and, and I'm, I'm supposed to preach. Well, you don't have an opportunity to preach. How about you just start a small group and you're faithful in your small group now and watch how God will bless your life then when you're faithful with doing it right now. Can I hear a better amen today, church? close your eyes all over Tampa Bay you're in a season of bewilderment you're in a season of confusion here's what I want you to do I want you to lean into a God who cares right now rebuke that lie over your life God doesn't care about what I'm going through God cares his heart hurts with what you're going through here's what you're going to do right now you're going to lean into a God of clarity somebody needs clarity in this room of a major decision Somebody that's on one of our campuses, you're trying to make a major decision. Maybe it's a relationship decision. Maybe it's a, it's a business decision. Lean in right now and watch how God will bring peace over the decision you're supposed to make, even though it doesn't make sense. 
It's like for years and years, I always thought this way, but God's telling me to do this. Watch how I bring clarity. And now, make a decision right there in your seat. Hey, God, I'm going to be faithful now. I don't know what's going to happen a year from now, 10 years from now. I don't know the confusion, but I'm going to be faithful now for the season you have me in right now. Let the Holy Spirit minister to your heart for just a second. Just about 10 more seconds. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you. God is not confused. He's got the next step for you. Lean into Him. God, bring peace, clarity over the decisions that need to be made. Every eye closed, every head bowed. There's one last group. As the Holy Spirit is ministering to people right now, He's also drawing people to Jesus. And listen, your life will always be in bewilderment. It will always be perplexed, confused when God's not at the center of it. When you're the Lord of your life, you're heading towards disaster. This is where you have to make a decision to say, today's the day I'm surrendering control of my life over to Jesus. I believe he'll meet you right there in that seat. He'll change you from the inside out. I know he's got something big in store for you. Problem is our sin has separated us from God. It separates us all from God. So what do we do about our sin? We, we can't work ourselves out of it. We can't give enough money for it. That's why Jesus came and died. He was the perfect sacrifice for your sins and ours. So what do we do? Now we make a decision to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, to accept that gift of salvation. And you're gonna do it in faith right there in your seat. And you're gonna do it by showing me that hand raised in just a second. It, it, the hand raised doesn't do anything. It's not, it, but it's a, it's a motion of the heart saying, today's my day, I'm giving my life to Christ. And watch how he'll meet you right there in that seat. On the count of three, that's you. Today's your day of salvation. One, two, best decision you're ever going to make right here. Three, throw that hand up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Dozens of people. I know they're at Brandon. I know they're in North Tampa, Clearwater, St. Pete, Heights. You can put that hand right back down. Why don't we all pray this prayer out loud together. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Today, I make a decision to live for you. Forgive my past, my present, and my future for the rest of my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, can we celebrate those who just made the best decision ever? Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.